In this episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, we talk about beliefs, the havening techniques, and influence, among other related things. By the way, did you know that you can find a listing of all of our podcasts and transcripts of all of our episodes, plus information on all the guests we've had, all at EssentialCoachingSkills.com? It's true. Check it out. It's pretty cool. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Hi, everyone. This is Doug. I am speaking to you on uh, the 1st of January, 2021. Happy New Year. Let's hope it's better than 2020. And gosh, amazing year, wasn't it? Hasn't it been? I'm, I'm literally sitting out on the on a screened-in porch in upstate New York, where it's about 32 degrees, a warm day for January. <laughs> it's probably a bit chilly to be sitting outside. Nevertheless, my wife and I have been um, camped out, if you will, at this little house we own in Ulster County, New York, about oh, a couple hours north of New York City. We moved up here, as you probably know by now, if you've been listening to these things at all. Uh, last March, March 2020, when uh, COVID really hit New York pretty hard, New York City pretty hard. So we came up here to ride out the storm, and we've been here ever since. It's been interesting. It's been really fun. It's been actually wonderful. Um, seen a lot of nature and stars and things that we don't usually see in Brooklyn. You know, we've had black bears walking through our yard. We've had wild turkeys in the refrigerator, but also walking through our yard. And wild turkey is good if you've never had it before. It's an excellent bourbon. But seriously now, folks, um, it's been really amazing, really amazing. And I think in some ways it's been a great year. Now, I know it's been a horrible year and a terrible year for many, many people, and maybe you've been affected negatively, and I, I'm sorry for that. Um, and so let's, let's hope and pray or put out there and visualize that 2021 will be in fact a great deal better. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, beliefs today because uh, it's on my mind. I've been putting out newsletters and things for years and generally speaking, not too many people uh, make a point of telling me that they don't like stuff that I put out. They just basically ignore it, I suppose. Um, I suppose. But there's an expression you've probably seen or heard or maybe said or felt that uh, haters got to hate, I guess. And um, it's been, I think, more and more true for that much of the past couple of years. You know, America especially has gotten more and more divided, but I don't think it's just America lot of it going around and so it's been interesting lately past few weeks i've been putting out some notices of a training i'm doing in late january for the havening techniques some of you i know are well aware of the havening techniques others may have heard of it maybe some of you are grudgingly 
putting up with my talking about it. But recently I got an email from somebody that said um, that I was being blocked from his emailing list, email list, because uh, he has a policy of blocking all quacks. And apparently I have fallen into that category. I'm assuming it's about Havening because that's the only thing I've really been mailing about for the past few weeks uh, because the training is coming up in January. So he didn't specify, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's all about. So I just wanted to talk about that because, you know, it's interesting. I, I have been there, you know, I, I was a latecomer to the psychosensory therapy place. You know, I saw, I was introduced to tapping. I don't know which form it was, um, TFT or EFT a long time ago. I was at a Dave Dobson workshop in Friday Harbor, Washington, a long time ago, probably the nineties might've been the thousands, two thousands, but, um, Dave died, I think, in 2004, so it couldn't have been much before that, much after that. But I arrived at the island with a splitting headache. Travel had been tough. And uh, one of the gentlemen in the in the class said that, oh, I, I can help you with that. I have this ability to help with just about anything with this tapping technique. And I was like, skeptical. But I will admit to you, I'm not a big fan of pain. Don't like it. Never have. So, you know, um, I said, sure, yeah, you can help with my pain. Let's, let's do it. What do I got to do? And so he, he proceeded to have me tap on various places on my head. And frankly, it did not help. In fact, it seemed to be counterproductive uh, for a headache to be tapping away there. And uh, so I... I, I I was given the first impression of uh, this stuff just doesn't work. And it's just silly. That was my first impression. And I held on to that first impression for quite some time. First impressions are hard to break. And frankly, you know, although I met a lot of people who used it and I tried it again at various times, I tried it with clients. I, I really did try to keep an open mind and try it out, but it never really quite worked. Not on me or not on my clients. So I was led to believe it was really more of a placebo effect that if you really believed in it, then it would work. And I didn't, so it didn't. And I think if you've watched the video that I've made, you know that um, I mean, maintained this for quite some time until I was introduced to Havening. And uh, I will tell you, I was skeptical about this too. But I was pretty impressed, I will tell you, when I first went to a Havening demonstration. It was a presentation with uh, both Dr. Ronald Rudin and uh, Paul McKenna. And I think I've told this story before, but I'll, I'll tell it again real briefly, at least. The uh, woman who volunteered to be there for the demo had gone through a traumatic experience of having been in the building when the first plane hit on 9-11. She was in the lobby getting money out of an ATM. And when first uh, therapy session started, the little demo started, um, you could tell as soon as Paul McKenna said to her, so what happened that day? She was 
back. She was there. She was uh, in the lobby of 9-11. She was like fully associated. She was there. She was fully traumatized just by the mention of it. And then literally 20 minutes later, she was calm as anything. And he said, so tell me what happened on 9-11. And she was like, well, you know, I was standing at an ATM and I remember that I was, you know, and she's talking now in the past tense, right? And she's calm as anything. And she's talking past tense and she's indicating with her hand kind of pointing over her shoulder um, as if this thing that happened is over there. You know, not that she's in the building anymore, but it's a memory she can see on a TV monitor or something that's over there. And she's speaking in the past tense. I was blown away. I had never seen such a dramatic change. And I've been doing NLP for a long time. I've seen some pretty dramatic stuff. This was amazing. So I, I wanted to find out more. And so that's how I came to know Havening actually does work. And I also recognized that the word originator of Havening, Dr. Ronald Rudin, put in a heck of a lot of work because he also was skeptical. He wanted to know why does this stuff work? You might know that story, maybe not. Um, he was introduced to tapping by Paul McKenna, the aforementioned demonstrator of Havening. And um, Paul had been introduced to EFT, I believe it is, the Roger Callahan type of tapping, told Dr. Rudin about it. And Dr. Rudin said, well, that sounds interesting, but I don't believe it as a, as a medical doctor, as a PhD in organic chemistry and an MD. Dr. Rudin is a pretty smart guy. But he didn't let his skepticism stop him from exploring. So he said, is there a book I can read about this stuff? And there was. There's a book by Roger Callahan. I don't know the title. You can look it up if you want. Dr. Rudin got that book and was reading it one day in his office when one of his fellow doctors there happened to mention that she had a phobia of cats. And he said, wow, I'm reading a book about phobias. Do you want to try this thing? And she said, sure, why not? So they sat down. He opened the page to the book to the page on phobias and followed the instructions on the page and it worked. And her phobia went away. So, I mean, literally five minutes from the stories that I've been told. Um, so th throughout the day, Dr. Rudin, whenever he had a client, a patient come in for a, a checkup or whatever, because he has a medical MD practice on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Whenever a patient come in, he'd say, by the way, do you have a phobia about anything? And sure enough, he did five more throughout the day or so, something like that. And they all worked. So this is what got his attention, got him really investigating from a Western medicine point of view, what's really happening. He still didn't really buy the scientific explanation that uh, Roger Callahan put forth in his book, but something was going on. So he wanted to find out what. And I and we and all of us are the beneficiary of his his work. He spent years really deeply diving into the medical literature of what's going on here. And both as an MD and as a PhD in organic chemistry, he, he sought to find out what was happening. And he got a really good answer. Now, you might say, it's all placebo. I, I believe you would be wrong, but then of course that is the nature of placebos. It's all about belief. So there you go. Um, 
the evidence is strong and it's been verified by a, a number of people, including a woman named Dr. Kate Truitt, who is in fact a neuroscientist. Dr. Rudin, as I've mentioned, is an MD, medical doctor, general practitioner, and a PhD in organic chemistry. He's looking at basically the body as an organically chemical organism, right? It's an electrical chemical organism so that when you do the havening touch or tapping or EMDR, moving your eyes back and forth, the body creates delta waves. And that, if you will, is the secret sauce of havening, right? So that's what creates dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin and stuff in the brain. And Dr. Rudin spent a long time really investigating through medical literature, not through experiments he did himself, but reading about the stuff in the, you know, literature, uh, whatever the word is, there's a word for that, where you're doing that sort of research. That's what he did. Kate Truitt is a neuroscientist, and she's verified much of what he's had to say, as have other people, and how now our studies of showing the efficacy of how it actually does work. It's clear it works. They've shown why it works and now are showing medically that it works with double blind studies of things going on. It's quite impressive stuff. Is it then quackery? I would submit, no, it is not quackery. It is in fact a viable treatment and it is remarkably effective from my point of view. I find it interesting that when a person, you know, is threatened, if you will, by, by new beliefs, new things that, that they can do what Dr. Rudin did and have an open mind and explore it and say, that's interesting. I don't believe it, but let's explore it. Where does it come from? How's it work? Or you can just say, oh, that's quackery and write it off. I think the former approach is preferable. Um, I'm grateful that Dr. Rudin had that more than I did. I did try. I did try those things out and I just never got the success. And I think that's because that havening really has pinpointed exactly what does work. The creating of the delta waves is in fact the secret sauce. And you get much more of the delta waves by focusing on what parts of the body create delta waves. That's what havening does. It does focus on the the face, the arms, the hands, the places where you get maximum delta wave production for your efforts. Now, it's also interesting to me that the idea of beliefs is something that I've been working with for a long time. You know, my book on the user's guide to sleight of mouth is all about beliefs. Sleight of mouth is how beliefs are created or how structured in the brain, how we believe what we believe. And sleight of mouth is about how do you then persuade yourself or influence others that there are more effective or useful beliefs to have so that you can shift to a different way of believing. It's useful, obviously, in therapy. It's useful in sales. It's useful in a lot of things. But it's really a question of how is it structured and how do you shift that belief from one belief that you might have for a long time because maybe some amateur hypnotists like your parents or your teachers or whatever life has bestowed upon you, or you can choose what belief you want to have. Choose, choose to believe what is more effective for you, more accurate for you. 
Let go of old beliefs that you no longer need that are not useful for you. How do you do that? It's a really interesting question. And I don't think it works very well when you say to the other person, you're an idiot, or how can you be so stupid, or smack him in the face. I don't think that works very well. <laughs> you know, and that's unfortunately kind of the level of discourse that our country has gotten to in the past year or two or so. And that's unfortunate. And I do see glimmers of hope. I do. I see glimmers of hope. I think that there are, in fact, people beginning to talk more. One of my current heroes, I've mentioned this before to some of you, is a man named Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis is a black man. He's a rock musician. Down in, uh, not sure where he lives, honestly. I think it's Atlanta. I don't know. I've seen TED Talks where he's done that have been hosted in Charlottesville, but I'm not sure he lives there. Um, I'm not sure where he lives. He might live in Virginia. It sounds familiar, actually, from his TED Talks. But what's amazing about Daryl Davis is that he has a closet full of robes that have been bequeathed to him by now former members of the KKK. This is a black man who has faced racism since he's 10 years old. He's been in a lot of situations where he's, you know, been confronted with it. And yet he has befriended members of the KKK and gotten them to want to give them their robes when they quit the KKK because they become friends. Now, that has never happened by him yelling at somebody and saying, hey, you're stupid. How can you believe with that? That's just dumb. You know, it doesn't work that way. What happens, the only way that it works is that you stop and listen. You talk. You listen with respect. It's, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. I'm sure you've felt that. Everyone seems to have felt that sort of thing in the past year or two. You know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. That it's, it's not met with discourse. People are always talking about how the other side is wrong and stupid. And, you know, words like that are being bandied about. Or that, hey, you're a quack. I'm going to ban you from my, my news feed or whatever. You know, it doesn't work that way. If you want to have discourse, if you want to have people learning from each other, communicating with each other. That word communication is really interesting, isn't it? To commune, to communicate, have a community. We have to talk. We have to listen. Somebody once said that, you know, listening is much more important than talking when it wants to, when you want to influence someone else. I think it was Stephen Covey, one of the seven habits of highly effective people, when he said that, you know, seek first to understand rather than to be understood. I think that's a really important lesson to have. And so that when you can really listen and understand where a person is coming from, then you actually can say, yes, I agree with this part of that or this underlying principle within that or i can i can appreciate what you're saying or i can respect what you're saying you can actually do those things and then say and 
what if we look at it from this perspective? What if this was true? What about that? Why don't we look at it from this perspective? Because that's what it's about. It's learning to see things from other viewpoints, other perspectives. In the study of sleight of mouth, you know, Robert Diltz pointed out once that, you know, Aristotle said that all perception is 100%. Perception is 100%. It's the interpretation of what you're perceiving that's the problem, right? So you can perceive a bunch of things, but focus on what you think is important or critical or whatever, and have very different opinions about what that means compared to anybody else that might be listening. So we want to be very careful and respectful and listen. Recently, I've been having, not quite weekly, but close to weekly discussions with a client of mine who lives in a, another part of the country from me, lives in the Dakotas, and has a very different uh, political standpoint than what I do. And we've been, we've been having chats. I mean, I'm trying to model Daryl Davis a bit, you know, trying to listen, trying to be respectful, find the, the commonalities, find those places where we agree about things. And to to say, yeah, let's let's go from here. It's been really fun. It's been really challenging. And it's been really fun. We also need to be real careful when it comes to beliefs of our own. And I'm I'm not a firm believer. I don't buy into the idea of the secret or the law of Well, I don't even know what it's called. The law of something. <laughs> I'm sure you listening to this are all going, it's the law of, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the secret, you know, the law of getting stuff for free. Um, <laughs> there's the law of attraction. Sorry. I'm really, I apologize. I know a lot of you really believe in that. I would like to. I just don't really. I, I, I think it's part of part of what we need to do. I need to, I think you need to believe and take action. And I, I think it's really important that you do those things. I, I think it's really important that you do both those things, uh, not one or the other, because honestly, if you just take action without believing that where you're going is going to be useful, probably won't, right? You, you need to have both those things. So it's really important to have useful constructive, valuable beliefs. And one of my colleagues in the Havening community, a man I deeply respect, Tony Burgess, and his uh, partner, Julie French, have written a book together called um, Pink Bucket Thinking. And there's another book of theirs as well. The other book, I believe, is written by Tony Burgess alone called um, Beliefs and How to Change Them for Good. Pretty sure that's the name of the title. Um, they're not as technical, perhaps, as the sleight of mouth books, but I think they're really, really, really good and really valuable. One of the things I learned from Tony is that if you want to create a new belief without having to go through all perhaps the sleight of mouth processes, is that you can say to yourself, "What? what if... I could be wealthy. So if you wanted to say, as an example, uh, 
hone some beliefs that would be valuable for you from a law of attraction perspective. Instead of saying like, I'm rich, I can be rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm worthy, I'm worthy. You can say, what if I were worthy? This, by the way, of course, if you are known to the havening world, um, could be thought of as if formational havening, a form of the havening techniques. But it works even without havening. If you want to add havening to it, that's great. It works really well. And even without the havening aspect to it, if you just start and think to yourself, what, what if I could be healthy? What if I could be wealthy? What if I could have $500,000 in income this year? Or what if I could have that house? Or what if I could, you know? And then after you've gone through some what ifs, because by the way, this is taken from the recognition that part of our brain often has this negative what if, right? We say, I'm going to be wealthy, but what if this happens? Or what if I can't? Or what if I, what, you know, there's a part of our brain that often goes to the what if, and it's very powerful. So we're trying to rein in that part of our brain and, you know, make it, make it a, a, a positive outcome instead of a negative one or one that gets in your way. So you say, what if I could be healthy? What if I could be wealthy? What if I could earn all that money? And then you go from what if to I can be wealthy. I can be healthy. I can earn $500,000 or whatever. And then you add a because to it. I can be healthy because I take good care of myself. I can be wealthy because I have a lot of value that I give to the world. I can earn that much money because blah, blah, blah. You know, you find the reasons for it. And that is where it comes right into sleight of mouth. Because if you know from sleight of mouth, all beliefs have a three-part structure to them, don't they? Every single belief in the world has a what's known as a normalized belief structure that cause, effect, meaning three parts if then means if this then that which means so and so every belief has that of course as you know they're not usually stated that way people just say something like it's good or it's bad or it's wonderful or it's terrible or you know that's that's a shortcut they say go they say stop you know that they have shortcuts they don't get the whole belief you've got to elicit that from them you've got to draw it out of them and I'm telling you, there's a shortcut that that structure is if then means the cause leads to the effect. The word cause is incorporated in that word because, isn't it? So if you say I can be wealthy because I take good care of myself for whatever reasons you have, that's starting to fit that actual structure of the if then means. So you're creating the belief that's going to be useful for you. And then you can go forward from that. So I invite you to do this and I invite you to try on for size just for the heck of it. Be a scientist, explore and see what happens, right? Cause that's what the scientific method is all about. Isn't it? It's saying like, I don't know. I, I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is. Let's, Let's do some experiments and find out. Let's keep an open mind and see what happens. You know, so havening, I will tell you, really does work. And it really does work for some very real reasons. Your body is an electrical chemical organism. 
So any sensation must be transduced into an electrical chemical signal to get to your brain. So your brain can go say, I see that, or I hear that, or I feel that, or whatever. It is all electrical chemical. And when you touch yourself in any part of your body, that's, that's stimulation creates waves. It's electrical chemical. When you touch your arms, your upper arms, your face, your hands, science shows you get delta waves. Science then shows when delta waves happen that certain chemicals are released in the brain, like dopamine, like serotonin, like GABA, like oxytocin. So when you add those chemicals to your brain and you get into this delta wave stuff and start talking to yourself in this what if fashion, it goes a long way to helping those beliefs, new beliefs set in. There's a lot of reasons for that too, that have been explored by Dr. Rudin and others. But let me just tell you real quick, serotonin is a big part of that. Serotonin is how the brain does this process called memory reconsolidation. When you go to deep sleep at night and have delta waves, it creates delta waves, create serotonin. You get the memory consolidation happens then. So when you say to yourself, I can be wealthy because I have so much value to give and because I'm going to work very hard this year and put it all together, then yes, your brain starts to believe that. And the more strong beliefs you have and followed by actions by George, we may be onto something. So that's what I would like to leave you with here on this first year of 2021 that no, we don't create our own worlds. You know, as people sometimes say, you know, we create our own realities. It's like, no, you don't, you don't create your own realities. If you jump off a, a cliff, you're, you'll, you'll land and you'll, you'll not fly for very long. You'll fly for a very, very brief time and then you'll land unceremoniously and probably not too healthfully. You know, there's that reality. If you don't believe me, then rearrange your furniture and walk around in the dark tonight, you know, barefoot. Um, you don't create your own reality and you can create your response to the realities. You can influence the realities. You can re influence where you're going within the reality. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can go from here and create what you want to be experiencing in your realities. Might be a very good question to ask. How do you want to experience reality this year? What feelings do you want to have? Not necessarily maybe what you want to do, accomplishment wise, you know, but how do you want to feel? How do you want to respond to things? Speaking of brain waves and stuff, I was just reminded of a friend of mine, Charlie Badenhop, has this type of therapy he calls Seishido. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Seishido? You can look it up. Charlie Badenhop. Um, when I saw him demonstrate it, it was remarkable to me. He basically would get a person into uh, what Stephen Gilligan might call a coach state, um, you know, kind of a trance-like state, very relaxed. You can do it with havening. You can do it by breathing. You can do it by meditation. You can do it with hypnosis. You get into a very relaxed coach state, deep state. Do that with his client and then say to the client, hey, go ahead and tell me about the problem. There's just one requirement that you can say anything you want. You can tell me any story you want to tell me. You just have to stay in this state. You have to stay in this quiet meditative 
coach state, this delta wave state. You can say anything you want as long as you can stay in that state. And of course, when people would start talking about their trauma or the terrible thing that happened to them, and they'd start getting out of that coach state rather quickly and say, okay, stop, take a breath. Let's get back into that coach state. And when we finally got back into there, then he uh, said, okay, tell me about the problem. And they'd interrupt the pattern again and go back to the coach state. You can do this, by the way, with heart math. You can do this with the M-wave machine, you know, with the heart rate variability. Just stay within that coherent state. And then anytime you get out of it, go back into that coherent state. And it is quite remarkable how your brain gets taught to stay in a calm, peaceful state by doing it this way. And I just wonder, gosh, what if we all could be in a kind of coherent brainwave activity state throughout this coming year? Wouldn't that be interesting? We do create our own experience of reality. We create our own emotional states. So I wonder what emotional states would be optimal for you this year and how you're going to get yourself to be there. I wish you all the luck in the world. And of course we create our own luck and still there is a such thing as luck. It does happen from time to time, you know, so I wish you good luck. I wish you have a happy and healthy and prosperous new year. I hope it all comes together in ways maybe even better than you've ever expected. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast, essential coaching skills. Hope you continue to do so. Hope you learn some things from it that are going to be useful for you and for your clients. And uh, may we all be healthy, wealthy, and uh, happy. Thanks. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.